and welcome to Master the Start podcast, sponsored by GoMahi.com and with your host, Bobby Mason. This week, CEO and founder of All-in-One Accounting, Heidi Olson, shows us how to take the numb out of numbers and make adding it all up quite exciting. If you are a small business or nonprofit startup, be sure to take notes as Heidi has invaluable advice to successfully account for your first years of business. So sit back and welcome to episode 42 of Master the Start. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me, Bobby. Of, of course. I'm, I'm just excited to talk to an accountant because I, I'm going to be honest, I've grown up my entire life making fun of my friends who have gotten into accounting because it sounds so boring, but I really want to get some insights here and I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. Well, accountants can be cool too. One of our core values is to take the numb out of numbers. And so accounting can be fun and exciting and not a drag. So let's talk accounting. <laughs> well, great. Well, before we even jump in, let's just start with who is Heidi Olson and maybe just say one thing you enjoy doing that most people wouldn't know about. Yeah. Well, my name is Heidi Olson and I'm the CEO and founder of All in One Accounting. And I started All in One Accounting about 15 years ago. And I started it because I love small business and I love nonprofits. And I saw back in my CPA days when I was doing tax returns and audits that um, all of these small businesses that we worked with were just struggling to get their accounting done in a smart way. And uh, so because I love small business and um, my parents are both entrepreneurs, I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring solutions because I don't want these entrepreneurs to be struggling with getting their accounting done. So 15 years ago, I decided I was going to start all in one accounting and I had the wonderful timing of being pregnant with my first baby. My husband always reminds me of that. Great timing. Um, so started a business to provide tiered financial expertise and accounting leadership to small businesses and nonprofits. And we take our clients from financial chaos to business clarity and beyond by doing just that. That, um, that sounds intense. I mean, yeah. I, I already have to dig into that answer because I have so many questions. <laughs> what, what is considered financial chaos? Well, I would say anytime that you're not getting accurate, timely financial statements that you know what to do with, you're in financial chaos. So, for example, we have gotten everything from a client coming in the door who hasn't seen a financial statement in years or ever. So their accounting is just that messed up because they just haven't had the right team in place to they get financial statements on a regular basis, but honestly, they don't know how to read them and they don't know what to do with them. So they're, they have a team or they, they're putting in the work to get to accurate, timely financials, but there's no actionable data. There's no actionable items for them then to take it that step further, which to me is why do it if you're not actually going to react and do something logical with the information. Yeah. So how does that work then? So you see a company that's in financial chaos. What are the next steps? Like, do you just go in there and analyze the entire business and get everything under wraps or what? What happens? Oh, great question. So we have a proven process that we use with all of our clients. It's a three-step process. We're, we're a traction team, by the way. I'll mention that. I don't know if you've heard of traction. Could you go into that a little deeper just for other people though? 
Yes. So Traction is a book written by Gino Wickman, and it's an entrepreneurial operating system. We've been following that system for about 10 years. And as part of the system, it says that every company has to have a proven process. And I can tell you that for the longest time, I fought that concept because our, our clients are so different. And I thought, we don't have a proven process. We just solve problems. Well, what, I, what, what came to the surface eventually was we do have a proven process that we use with all of our, with all of our clients. And it's a three-step process. Step number one, getting to a good set of financial statements. And by that, I mean a balance sheet that works. Every account on the balance sheet is reconciled. You understand what it means and you have a work paper to support it. As long as the balance sheet is correct, the income statement has to be correct, at least as a total. So step number one, getting to a good set of financial statements. Now, for some of our clients, that's very easy because they, they're coming, they've got a good team, they have a good system in place. But for many of our clients, they're coming in the door and they are in chaos. And for a lot of variety of reasons, I mentioned they're behind or they've had turnover or maybe they've had a general ledger system that's broken or they have other technologies around their accounting that are broken. A lot of times we have integration issues at this point because of all the technology that exists out there with CRM systems and Amazon systems and inventory systems. And all of those systems have to work together and talk, but they're not. So step number one, get to a good set of financial statements. Then when we have that good base, we know we're starting from somewhere solid. Then we say, how should this accounting and finance process work? We're going to develop that process for moving forward. Everything from the transactional. So what happens day to day, just getting the bills in, getting invoices out to customers, making sure we got enough money in the bank, covering payroll, all that to what kind of reporting do we need to see? How regularly, what are our metrics? You know, do we have a budget and forecast in place? How are we thinking about the business? How do we make money, our margins? All the way up to like the strategic thinking of the business. Like where are we going in the next five years? So step number two is to develop that entire accounting and finance approach. Soup to nuts including things like internal controls, because as you grow your business, you're going to want to make sure that you have the correct segregation of duties so that you are protecting your largest asset, which is your business for most entrepreneurs. And then we document it all because once you have a documented accounting and finance process, you have choices. Because a lot of times what we find with these entrepreneurs is they felt they feel very much held hostage by their accounting team. Because what their accounting team does is mysterious and elusive, and they don't quite know how it all works. Well, if you document it all, that means that anybody of reasonable accounting knowledge can walk in the door and do that job, right? Yeah. You're starting to make a real business now. You're starting to document, systematize, and create a system that you can parse out and hire other people to do. And it's not all in someone's head, just like your entrepreneur, right? When you start a business yeah. and you start and you're doing everything, everything's in your head. And then you have to figure out how to get everything out of your head and train other people and teach other people how to do those pieces. So back to step number two in our process, create and document and, and get everyone trained up and how, how are we going to do your accounting and finance moving forward? Step number two. And then our step number three in our approach is to maintain that process. 
And this is a process we use with every single one of our clients and it works wonderfully. And our whole team knows it and follows it. And it's a, it's a common language and it gets us to a well-oiled, efficient accounting and finance approach that for most entrepreneurs is the first time that they're really going to get data that, that that's actionable. So at the end of the month, when I hand you your June financials and I say, hey, Bobby, here's your June financials. Here are the three takeaways I want you to see. A, you got some rent you need to track down. You got some people that aren't paying. We got we to gotta nip that in the butt. Number two, your costs on that project that for that build out are way over. What's going on? We got to figure that out. And three, we got a big fine from the city on one of our properties. You know, what's we got to figure out what's happening operationally that that's getting through. Just as examples, mm -hmm. right? But I think for most entrepreneurs, when they get their financial statements, it's pretty much look at them and put them in the drawer. Yeah, it's like, oh, I had a bad month or I had a good month. Well, great. Or yeah. that's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what do I do with that? Whether you're doing good or not. I mean, what? Okay, one of the key things I think in any business is to make sure you have a budget. You have goals of what you're going to bring in and what you're going to spend and understand how you make money, what your margins are. But then you use it every month as a comparative. So you have budget versus actual and you look at it every month and you look at it year to date and you're going to be able to now manage your income statement by exception, right? So all you really have to do are look at the line items that aren't hitting on your budget. So for me, when I get my P&L from, from my integrator, I look at it and maybe there's three or four line items that aren't exactly on budget. Those are the only line items I really need to look at and spend time on. And those are the ones that I'm actually going to have to put some action around in the future. That's a really good point. That saves you time too. A ton of time. So I can, I can remove my P&L in 10 minutes. Dig into those items, those three or four line items that aren't within, you know, materiality of my budget. And those are my three or four actionable items for the next month. I know exactly what I need to do. Yeah. That's a game changer, actually. Yeah. And for a lot of our clients, maybe it's the first run at a budget for them and we can really help them do that. Or maybe they've done it before, but they need to get better at it. Or maybe they're really adding, they're adding a new product line or they're adding their first employee or they're adding their hundredth employee, whatever that looks like, you know, we can run different models and really help them think about how that changes their business and how that modeling changes as they grow. How big is the typical company you're working for? Like, is there, yeah. is there a size that you would recommend coming to you or is there something too big, too small in between? We, we target startup to 40 million in revenue. Most of our clients are two to 10 million in revenue, but it really depends on what we do for them. If we do just a portion of the accounting or if we do all of the accounting. Um, so we have about 300 clients. A third of them are, are service companies. So professional services, B2B, I mean, people who are delivering their expertise, we really understand that. We understand the metrics, how to track things, how to job cost, how all of that works. So it's just a really nice area for us. The other thing is you can become a 10 or $15 million services company before you even need a full-time accounting team because the accounting is pretty straightforward. It's not like it's manufacturing where you need a cost accountant. 
And then a third of what we do is nonprofit. That's very, very highly, um, it requires a high level of expertise around nonprofit. This is going to be um, an area, I mean, this team of mine is quite amazing around that. Um, but back to your question, we really are able to layer in what they need when they need it. And we also recommend our own exit. So for example, you come on board with us and we help you grow and all of a sudden you need someone full-time in a, an accountant role, we're going to recommend you hire somebody because that's what's right for you. And that, that point is about three days a week or about 24, 25 hours a week, typically where it makes sense for you to hire someone on your team directly. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think the other thing that most small business owners and entrepreneurs don't realize is that there, there are three different layers of accounting solutions that every business needs. And most entrepreneurs think they can just hire one accountant and get all three layers. And let me explain those. So the accountant layer, the transactional layer, the person who's going to do your payables and your invoicing and reconcile your bank account and kind of all that hands-on day-to-day stuff. Then there's the controller who closes the books, right? Reconciles the accounts, oversees that accountant, does the budgeting and forecasting, works with the CPA firm, kind of works directly with the owner most of the time, um, really does the data analysis, would do modeling, would do all of that kind of higher level data analysis work and financial statement preparation. So that's kind of that middle tier. And then the highest tier is that CFO who's very forward thinking and strategic, who's going to come in and really help you think strategically about where do you want to be in 10 years? And are you really positioned right now to get there? You know, very, very forward looking. And so I think what most entrepreneurs think is I can hire one person to do all of those things. And that's just not real. And so where we can come alongside you is maybe you have a great accountant and that person handles 80% of all of your accounting needs. Well, we can layer in that controller CFO person to come in and close your books, do the analysis, help you think strategically, and then your accountant can be even more successful because they have support and they have guidance and they have a team, they have a resource. So Really, depending on the business and what your internal team looks like, we layer in kind of the missing components of what you don't have. We really focus on mastering the start. And I think that's why I think it's unique to start to talk to an accountant, because, you know, you can bring up advice on how to master the start of business. So I'm going to start there and ask, what should startups or entrepreneurs at the beginning, or really anyone just interested in pursuing a passion, whatever it might be, what should they be tracking from a financial standpoint right out of the gate? What's really important? Great question. And it I just talked with someone this morning who called and was asking those same sorts of questions. She was working on her incorporation documents and asking those exact same things. So what I would say is, is a couple of things. One, track any expenses that you're incurring that relate to your business. Any direct expenses, anything that you're doing, anything from, you know, filing for your incorporation paperwork to, um, you know, all your computer to all of your office supplies to even going out and meeting with your attorney or, or your friends uh, to talk about it, to really formulate and, and come up with your strategy. So any expenses that have to do with your business 
And I would say as soon as you're able and you get that incorporation paperwork done, start a separate bank account to keep it really as separate as possible um, because it's just going to save you a lot of headache in the future to not have to pull it all apart from your personal life. Um, it, it just will. I, I know it's a little bit more work to get it set up in the beginning, but it, it will save you a lot of time in the end if you do it that from the beginning. And then um, I would say if you're if, if a expense is in question, just put it in there and then you can work through that with your CPA, whether that's a it's a legitimate business expense or not. Do you recommend any systems that people should be using to track their finances? You know, the majority of our clients use QuickBooks for a general ledger package. Um, and that has really evolved over the last 15 years. But I, I think the reason why it is so dominant right now is because it's so technology friendly for all the other programs that people want to use. And so a big piece of what we do now is we help clients be successful in integrating all those other programs that they want to use with QuickBooks. So they have a CRM or they have an inventory system or they have another system that they want to use that supports their specific business, but they want it to integrate to QuickBooks. And we're able to really, QuickBooks has been really good about creating that integration. Gotcha. And I'm going to take a quick left turn away from the businesses. And I know you don't really deal with people's personal finances, but I'm thinking about a large majority of our audience is also a bunch of college students that are just graduating, getting into the workforce. So I'm going to give you a couple of questions down that alley quick. Personal finances. Gen Z and millennials are always just brutally punished for their inability to create budgets or track their finances and all of that stuff. What advice would you give to people right out of the gate to actually track their personal finances to actually get on the right path? You know what I do and what I would recommend is I would set up a personal QuickBooks file and I would track everything through QuickBooks person on your own personal, you know, John Doe QuickBooks file and just record and download all your bank transactions and your credit card transactions, code them, because I think you'd be surprised in how you spend your money if you really were to track it like that. Um, I know we've been doing that for probably 20 years um, at my house and it's really eye-opening and it's it, it, it forces you to be very aware of how you're spending your money, but it's also very good to like set budgets because I can look at last year, how did our household spend our money? And then we can set our budget for this year and it's great historical information. It's great for record keeping. So my number one piece of advice would be to set your own personal QuickBooks file up and track your expenses through it. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with the QuickBooks approach. I mean, I've always gone to the extreme where I don't even let my bank account autofill the QuickBooks. I do all of it manually so I can feel that pain every little thing I enter. But <laughs> no, yeah. And now with just all the automation, I mean, with all the rules you can set up and whatnot with things like, you know, gas and utilities, I mean, it can be very efficient for you to, to utilize that. But again, the information you're going to glean is so valuable. Yeah, it is. I want to ask also now, I mean, I started the show off with, I used to always make fun of my friends. Actually, I still make fun of my friends. Who am I kidding? I have multiple friends that are in accounting and I always say it's so boring. <laughs> Why Why is accounting fun? Why is it awesome? You know, I think it's fun because the reality about accounting is when we're producing financial statements and we're in there 
um, figuring out all of that chaos or what, what the financial statements are telling us, it's all a reflection of operations. If you really want to think about it, like everything that I'm going to produce for June financials and hand back to my business owners is all a reflection of what's happening in their businesses on their operations. And so it's almost like a little bit of a mystery for me to go in and what can I actually figure out before I actually even go back to them? And am I going to, am I going to be right? Most of the time we're close. Sometimes I'm wrong. Right. But then I get to learn something new. So I think it's exciting. I, I, I also, for me, I get this exposure to so many different kinds of businesses, right? So many entrepreneurs and so, and they're so passionate about what they're doing and businesses that I never even knew existed. So it's really fun to just get that exposure to all of the small businesses that we get to work with. And it's, it's quite amazing. All these businesses and all these lives that are turning out there and doing all this amazing work. So what's exciting about it? Well, I mean, I'm going to say that as an accountant, I still get excited to reconcile accounts and do that kind of stuff. But I really get excited about bringing information to an entrepreneur that they can use to better their lives. Whatever that looks like. Maybe it's peace of mind. I mean, I've had an entrepreneur in the last week tell me, before you guys started, I couldn't sleep at night. And now that Kristen's here, I can sleep at night. Because they were in chaos. And now they're not. They know where their cash is at. They know where their profitability is at. Like he is like feeling so much more comfortable. So that to me is like, that's fun. That's for sure. It's super yeah. fulfilling. And I, I don't know. There's something fun for me about doing budgets and forecasts just to see like what are, what are the possibilities? Like where can this thing go? You know, can you really hit 5 million or 10 million in revenue? And what's more fun than that, and what I would encourage all of your listeners to think about is, what does the bottom line look like? Don't grow the top line just for top line's sake. Really focus on growing the bottom line. Net income's where it's at. Hmm. That is a great point. <laughs> that is a great point. <laughs> you just pretty much brought up one thing I want to touch on. You already had, I'm, I'm sure you have clients all the time just rave about how darn good you guys are at your jobs because your online reviews are pretty darn impressive and I, I don't really know a lot of accounting firms or companies that have those kind of reviews so what do you think really differentiates yourself is it the traction is it like the people what what makes you so different uh, it's all about the team this my team they are amazing and they are the hardest working, most caring group of accountants that I've ever run into. And they love small business because what I, when we are out prospecting for team members, I say, I'm really looking for someone who shares my passion for small business, who really wants to make a difference in an entrepreneur's life. And that doesn't always mean, you know, an eight to five kind of schedule because that's not the schedule that eight, that entrepreneurs keep. I'm assuming you don't keep an eight to five schedule. Nope. <laughs> I don't keep an eight to five schedule. Um, but it's really about the team and making sure that the team has, we have the right team, they have the tools, they feel empowered, and we have the right clients. So one of the things that we do on the client side too is we make sure that we hire, review, and recognize to core values. And we talk about core values all the time. We talk about it in the first meeting with a potential team member. We talk about it in the first meeting with a, with a, with a prospect. 
and we, we talk about how important it is. And we also, you know, we go through an exercise where we, we, um, we ask our team, do we have any, any clients that are out of alignment with core values? And then we work to either get them in alignment or we terminate that relationship. So I think it's really keeping the team um, on track to our mission and vision, having the right team. And, and I can't say enough, this team is out of this world. And that's why we're at where we're at. So what makes, like, let's say you were hiring someone right now out of accounting specifically, what would make an accounting student one of these out of this world team members? Passion for small business, willing to roll up their sleeves and solve complex problems, not wanting to do the same thing day after day, having some entrepreneurial spirit in them. Um, and really wanting a role where flexibility and impact are more important than anything else. So um, this is not this is not a compliance job. So this, you know, when when I first started the business, we were also still doing taxes because many of us came out of that world, tax world. And you know what? Tax is not what we do. Tax is a compliance issue. We want to solve business problems. We want to we want to solve entrepreneur A. Why don't you have any cash in the bank? Entrepreneur B. Why are you not hitting your margins? Entrepreneur C. How can you get to ten million dollars next year? Those are the kinds of business problems that we want to help entrepreneurs solve. Not how much tax do you owe? They're just different things. Um, so I think for me, it's really a team member who's going to love it here again as somebody who loves small business who really wants to solve problems, who wants a relationship with their clients and likes to manage a fairly hectic schedule. I mean, we have multiple clients, we have multiple deadlines. So there's, it's, it's very fast paced. There's not a, you know, this is not the job where you go to a desk and you sit there all day and do the same thing all day long. Yeah, I think, well, number one, for all you guys that can't see Heidi right now, she's currently walking on a treadmill. So they definitely don't sit at their desks. Um, <laughs> why? Well, I have to ask, why Why walk on a treadmill while you're just hopping on a podcast? Why is it important to keep getting your exercise? You know what? I have four kids. So when I'm not, when I'm not here, I'm usually running kids. So this is my chance. Plus, I think it just keeps me engaged and active and keeps my mind going. So I just love it. I can get eight, 10 miles in on this thing a day. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Yep. That's I like really it impressive. Well, let's take a step back because you did bring up tax and audit. So, I'm just kind of curious about what made you transition from audit and tax to CEO of B Swing. Yeah. Well, um, the president and founder of B Swing is a good friend of mine from. We've been friends since we were little girls. So um, she really wanted me to come um, on board and it was just the right time for me to experience something different. And back then, I mean, remember that time dot com was going crazy. I mean, they were growing super fast and it was a really exciting time um, in their business. And it was really fun to be part of that. So I wanted something different. I think I'd had enough and I wanted to experience more of that entrepreneurial um, growth and all of the excitement that went around it. So it was a really, really fun time. So did you go from B-Swing to starting your own, to starting all in one? Yes. What pushed you to make that transition? That had to be a tough decision. 
Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because sometimes there are other factors that help drive you there. So um, while at B-Swing, 9-11 happened and almost all of our clients were financial services. And so overnight, we had we had budgets, million dollar budgets that just went away. I mean, overnight. So I started doing part-time CFO work for tenants and clients and other, because we were just honestly in survival mode at that point, right? Because 9-11 changed everything. Yeah. Um, so, and then Jen, my friend who owns B-Swing, just, she said, you should do this. There's such a huge need. Like there, I mean, just really based on a need in the market and the fact that I had started doing that just out of what had happened in the world and in the, in the business, um, just decided it was the right time and that there, the market was ready. And 15 years ago, really nobody was doing this. There were only a couple very small players back then. Hmm. Um, and they were more focused on the CFO end of things. So, uh, you know, we really wanted to be able to provide accountant and controller and CFO as part of a team. So I believe all businesses need all three layers. What was that transition like going from working for someone to being your own boss? It was, um, you know what? It was good. I, I would say, I would, I would say it was not difficult. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs and I think wherever I worked, I always took a lot of ownership in it. So I don't know that it was like, I think it was scary. I mean, it was scary to like be sitting in my basement wondering if I can make my mortgage, right? So I think all every entrepreneur has that moment where they're like, oh, now it's totally up to me whether or not I sink or swim. Um, I also happened to be six months pregnant at the time. So my husband reminds me it was excellent timing. <laughs> so, um, but it was good. And, and I think that, I think I just put my head down and I just worked hard and I focused on doing really good work and on relationships. And I think that was, I, I think I wondered in my mind, is that going to be enough? Hmm. Was it? How long was it before you kind of all in one took off a little bit? Oh, good question. So we officed out of my house for like five or six years. And just I was out doing 40 hours of CFO work back then. And I would hire people kind of as needed and um, was not really focused on growing the business. It was happening very, very organically. Um and then I decided, then I was very much decided I was going to be deliberative about growing it. And that's when we started doing traction. So I would say, you know, it was very slow in growth for many years. And then once I made the decision to grow it and added the right team members to help me do that. I mean, for example, I was sitting both in the visionary and the integrator role for a long time. And I'm a terrible integrator. I should never have been sitting in that seat. But, you know, you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. When you start a business, I mean, just just like I have a conversation with the with a prospect who's still doing their own accounting, you know, at some point, what's the highest and best use of your time? And at some point, you have to start hiring people to help you. So what stays on your plate and what do you take off your plate? Deep. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> Before we get into quick fire questions and they're not really quick. They're just things for people mastering the start of business. Um, a simplistic question for you. How, just very simply, and I know you, you brought up a lot of very in-detailed ways that accountants can help build a business. In simple terms, what are like three things, if I was a 
say I was a smaller business because I still think smaller businesses should use accountants. They might not need three of them, but I mean, they still need accountants. What is the biggest value add an accountant will bring to their team? For a small business. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go back to the basics, making okay. sure they have a good system set up, whether even, even if the entrepreneur is going to maintain the system themselves, most entrepreneurs don't know what that looks like. So at least have somebody come in and set up an accounting system for you that you can then maintain, right? So show you how to get things set up, design a system that's efficient, show you what you should be doing, you know, then you can maintain it. And then, so that's number one. Number two, teach you what information is important to look at and how. Because I still think that there's a huge opportunity for most entrepreneurs to understand their financials better than they do today. And what are those things? And three, have a plan. And by a plan, I need a budget, forecast, model, whatever you want to call it. Because if you don't have a plan, how what are you supposed to measure against? What does a plan look like? Well, for, for, for us, it's our vision, traction, organizer, and our budget for the year. So we know exactly what we should be doing weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, both, you know, hours we should be billing, our revenue, all of our expenses, where we're going to be spending money, you know, what our initiatives are. But I think when you're starting up, most the most important thing is to understand, you know, how much revenue are you going to be generating? What does it cost you to deliver your product or service? And what's your overhead? And I mean, keep it real simple. And then scale it. So, Because one of the things that I find with entrepreneurs is they don't know like, well, when can I hire somebody or when when can I do these things? Well, if you have a budget and a model that you can plug some things into, then you can see what that really means. So if I have a 2019 budget laid out and I think, oh, I'm getting really busy. Can I hire somebody? Well, let's plug in those costs and let's see if it makes sense. You can see based on some budgeting or modeling, when it's going to make sense to hire somebody. Versus like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs just go off emotion, right? Or how they feel. Mm -hmm. And that can be really dangerous. So have a budget or plan that you can use to help you make decisions for your business. I'm really lucky that my business partner is very analytical because I'm the emotion guy. Nice. <laughs> but that I think that is an important thing to bring up. If you I mean, I would always recommend to people if you're starting a business or you're going into business with anyone, I'd find someone that's not exactly the same as you. Like I am the emotional, I'm the salesman, and he is definitely my partner is the analytical mind that keeps me balanced. And if you're a single all alone and sole entrepreneur, it would be good to talk to an accountant. Like yes. they're going to balance you. They're going to figure you out. <laughs> Absolutely. So Rocket Fuel, have you read Rocket Fuel? No, I haven't. Okay. I would recommend you read that. Okay. Everyone that will be in the show notes, Rocket Fuel. Yep. So integrator versus visionary talks about that relationship. So it would probably be you're the visionary, I would assume then, and your partner is the integrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just talks about, again, to your point, how you need to have different skills um, and different and then make sure that those skills align with whatever seat you're sitting in in your business. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, now you just brought up a book. So I'm curious, what are your favorite 
your favorite business books? Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, one of the ones that I love is the ideal team player by Patrick Lencioni. And we actually integrated a lot of the, the three main themes in this book into our hiring practices. And that is the ideal team player will have three attributes. They're hungry, humble, and smart. And, um, Hungry meaning they always want to be learning. They have an insatiable appetite to learn more, do more, take on more responsibility. It's a great fit for our team. Humble, that they're thinking about their team and others before they're thinking about themselves. Their ego can't be so big. Like it just doesn't work with our kind of environment. And smart. And by smart, I don't mean book smart. I mean emotional intelligence because I think one of our biggest challenges is that getting what we need to get done with our clients is as much about the technical, is as much about the people we need to work with as it is about the technical. So we go into a company and we have to work with Doris and Tim. Well, we need to have a relationship with Doris and Tim and we need things from Doris and Tim. That's equally as important and getting all of that stuff to work is as important as getting the technical accounting piece done. So again, being smart about how we work with people and being emotionally intelligent is a really important attribute for our team. So the ideal team player, I would highly recommend. Well, now I'm asking you a selfish question because how in the world do you find someone that's hungry and humble through a simple interview? Because I mean, those are people that I want on my team. Do you have any <laughs> strategies for how you how you find those people out of the gate? You know, we ask some direct questions. We ask them about core. I always ask about core value alignment. We ask them. I'll, I'll reference the book and I'll I'll ask some specific questions on that. I'll I've got some specific interview questions that I ask around that. Um, I think on some of that, I think on the the humble is more a feeling you get from somebody, to be honest. Um, a lot of times uh, on the on someone's first day here, it's when they come to meet with me in their initial CEO meeting, they get the book from me, We they read it, and then we talk about it. So when someone starts on our team, I really look at their first year as their onboard with us. And it's the first year for them to figure out if they're going to like it here and if we're going to like them here. So even after they're hired, I think there's still this big time for us all to figure out if it's still a good fit. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just important to have those conversations. I think it's also just important to set expectations with people. And if you talk about it and you say, this is what I'm looking for out of a team member, I'm looking for hungry, humble, smart. I also tell people I'm looking for somebody who wants to be here for a long time. And this is why clients don't like change. Clients are going to fall in love with you and your work. And if you leave, they're going to be unhappy. So I'm really looking for somebody who wants to stay for a long time. And you know, based on the current state of employment, that that's a hard thing to do these days. Yeah. People don't stay. So it's been really effective because when I say that, I think people who don't have that commitment go, you know what? I've thought about what Heidi said and I'm not able or willing to make that commitment. So just said, you know, just being honest with people about what you what you want. Yeah. Do you do you have to let go of many people after that first year or have you been relatively lucky? You know what? We view it as a win if we can identify that someone's not a good fit in the first 90 days. 
Um, we've done a lot to make sure our hiring practices are as solid as they can be. I think we've gotten really good about really getting focused in on hiring the absolute best fits that we can, but also making sure in 90 days they get the training and the support. And in that first 90 days is the time where we figure it out. So yes, we're having great success. Again, to me, success means we figured it out by 90 days. If either of us knows by then, we're, we're in good shape. I love that. And I think some people that don't run businesses might think that's a little bit harsh, like from some standpoint, but I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, she made it very, Heidi made it very clear that it needs to be the right fit for both of them. So it's almost just a selfish act as a business owner to keep someone on your team if it's not a good fit, because you're not only wasting your life, you're wasting other people within the team because those people are like, this is not a good fit and it's holding us back. And you're also, you're kind of selfishly keeping someone on your team that shouldn't be on the team when they could go find a better fit. They could find a better job. So if you're out there and you're dealing with a boss that's trying to let you go or you're not a good fit, like that boss isn't a bad person. It's honestly, it's making your life better. And you need to think about it from the standpoint, like Heidi just brought up, like that's something they're proud of. Like, that's the right thing to do because they're proud of that, that they can let someone move on and find something better and it allows them to find something better. So I think that's so important. That's huge. I love that. Well, they're going to be happier and so are we. And then the reality is they're not going to get ingrained in, into a bunch of client relationships and then and then come to that realization or then be be willing to to recognize or be willing to, to admit that it's not working. So, um and I mean, the reality is what we do is really hard. Like, I'm going to be really honest. Like, what we do is difficult. It's hard to manage all these relationships. It's hard to manage all these deadlines. If you don't love small business and if you don't get filled up by solving entrepreneurs' problems and being the hero and all that goes along with that, you will not like working here. If you want to go to the same place every day and sit down at the same desk and do the same tasks and have a vanilla kind of approach to life. I mean, this is not the place for you. This place is way too exciting. There's always something going on because entrepreneurs have fires all the time and they rely on us. We become their trusted partner. So guess who they call when the payroll gets messed up or when the problem with the bank or it's, I mean, anything, anything that even touches accounting, we end up being that trusted advisor. So I always say you can plan your week on Sunday night, but it will never turn out the way that you planned it. I mean, does your week? No, not at all. <laughs> never. And and what if you had a job where it did? I'd be so bored. Yeah, I'm- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's our personalities. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying I'd be so bored. <laughs> yes. And so I... People on my team need to be more like, I would be bored if that was the way it was. I need some change and some excitement and some challenge. Challenge. Yeah. I think it's the challenge. Yeah, that's for Um, sure. Because it's that hungry, always learning, always being, you know, new technologies and new, new things that client, new things that we haven't seen. I mean, we're always learning here. There's, there's never a day that goes by that we don't learn something new. With That's 300 nice. clients, you're bound to learn something new every day. <laughs> That's a lot of things to understand. A lot yeah. of industries, a lot of companies. Yeah. 
And I think um, one of our core values is to listen and learn at our clients so we can share and achieve at others. So I always say when you hire all in one county and you get the collective knowledge of all 50 of us. So we're solving problems as a team. So imagine all that collective knowledge versus like you hire an independent person. I mean, they only see what they see. And so it's really fun to come in. I, in fact, I talked to a nonprofit the other day and we're getting hired in behind a CFO that's been there for 18 years. And I said, I cannot wait to meet her and work with her. And I'm sure she's been amazing and wonderful and we're going to honor her, but she's only seen the same thing for 18 years. She's had no exposure to anything else. And so it'll be fun to come alongside her and, and talk about maybe some more efficient ways that we can do things. Yeah, that's. I love that way of looking at it. I I didn't really think about it from that perspective. And and just like if I had been if if all I saw for the last eighteen years was just my business and nothing else, that's the only thing that that's the only way I would know how to do set things. Yeah. But because again, we have three hundred clients, we get all these different perspectives. And all these, and half the time because they break, and then we got to figure out how to fix them. But you know, you learn from that. But we also have clients bringing new technologies and new new laws and new things. I mean, new things are doing all the time, and asking us to help them think about it. And that's what makes this so exciting. Okay, fine. I think accounting's exciting now. I get it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I let you go, I want to get into the quick fire questions quick. Um, that was redundant. Quick fire questions, quick random question. This is one from our audience. I guess your random question was an easy one. What is the craziest thing you've ever done? Oh my gosh. What's the craziest thing I've ever done? Start all in one accounting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Give me a second one. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Um, I just went to Haiti in February and we got caught there during the uprise and we had to get help. We had to get air vacked out. Okay. That's definitely crazy. Yeah. And we were on a missions trip. So that was a little crazy. Yeah. So what exactly happened? We were in Haiti building a church and the, they started to um, uprise because they were very unhappy with the government and they shut down all the roads and we had to get helicoptered out of where we were at to get out of the town we were at to get to the airport to leave. It was insane. So that was probably the craziest thing I've ever done. Who helicopters you out of there? He was like an ex Navy SEAL guy with a big helicopter and came in and saved the day. Wow. Yeah. That's that's just as crazy as starting all in one accounting. Like, <laughs> just right there at the same level. <laughs> you kind of already touched on this, but we ask everyone this question. Uh, what skills does a young professional need to have straight out of college? Um, I think you need to be able to talk to people and have emotional intelligence, as I talked about before, that EQ. Um but I think more than anything, hard work. I think the biggest thing I see lacking from, from young people is hard work. You need to be able to put your head down and work. And um, I know I've hired some college grads where that's been a big issue, where they just, there seems to be a gap 
in the in the hard work department. And I would say you got to put in you got to put in some time and you got to work hard and you got to don't think anything's above you. Like I literally just washed dishes this morning when I got into the office. Like I still do whatever it takes and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Hard work. I can you define it just a little bit more? Because I've definitely had people on our team that have come in. They're like, yeah, I'm ready for hard work. And they put in three and a half hours and they're like, I'm out. That was hard work, man. And I was like, no, no. no. <laughs> you know, I think I had like two or three jobs until I was like 30 years old. And so here, here's an example. I have people come on my team and, and they want to make more money, right? And I'm all about that. I'm all about, man, you you got to make the money you got to make. You got to support your life, all that. But instead of working harder here to accomplish more or going and get a second job, they just want me to pay them more. That doesn't work. Either you have to bring more value to me by producing more, bringing more value to my company, or go get a second job like I had literally until I was 30 years old, waiting tables. So, I mean, work hard. Like there's, there's, there's. There's nothing that will come, nothing that parallels hard work. Nothing, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I mean, I talked about earlier when we were talking about real estate, when my husband and I started that business. I mean, literally, I mean, I'm talking hard physical labor for years. It just, you got to, you got to, you got to work hard. I mean, I grew up on a farm, you know, walking beans and working in the fields. And that was hard work. So, but on top of that, it's beyond just sitting there and working for 10 hours doing, I don't know, menial tasks. It's, it's hard work with smart work. Like I really recommend to people, if you're going home at night and you don't feel drained, you didn't work a hard day. Right. You could have done a little more. Agreed. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Third question. And this might actually go right in line with what we just talked about. What do you believe needs to be sacrificed for success? Well, I mean, clearly, I think you have to work really hard. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think when I think when I when I think back to when I started my business, when I think to the sacrifices that my parents made as entrepreneurs and all the entrepreneurs that I know, they sacrifice so much. I mean, instead of going out with their friends or instead of doing their hobbies or what, I mean, I don't have a hobby. I have my, I have my work and I have my kids, my husband, who's wonderful and all that. But I mean, that's, that's all I have. I mean, this is my life, you know, this all one accounting is like an extension of my family. Um, and I, and I care for it that much. Um, I, I would say be passionate and work hard. And just when you think you're working hard, work harder. If you really want to make it, put in the hard work now because eventually you'll be able to work in a different way. I would say not necessarily less hard, but just different, right? And so instead of cleaning out houses now, we get to manage the people who do that. Instead of me actually doing the CFO work now, I get to manage the CFOs who do it. I still work hard, just in a different way. But I think the fact that I did all those things brings great credibility and understanding and empathy and a way to relate to all those people on my team that are still doing those things, right? Because I've done them all. I've done all those roles. 
I love that answer. Seriously, that that was a. I couldn't have said it better, and I don't think the big problem with me, or just in my mind, I don't think people can relate or fully comprehend that answer until they do it one time. Because you can say that, and like I, I can relate to you perfectly. Because I understand what that feels like. But to someone that hasn't done it, have, hasn't pushed themselves to the next level, but more importantly, push themselves to the next level, not because they want more money or more success, but pushing themselves to the next level because they're passionate about what they're doing. That's a different feeling. Like that's a good feeling. So I, I love that answer. Thank you for that one. Last quick fire question, and then you can get on with your busy life and day. Uh, what is one life hack a student of business should apply to their life this week? What's one actionable task they could do? You know what? Um, I'm going to give you one business and one personal. All right. Okay. Call your mom. That's my personal. I like it. Let's as a life hack, just call your parents and be present with them on the, on the business side. Start building relationships. Spend time building relationships, whether it be with your professors, with your where you're interning, with your boss, with your coworkers. Relationships will get you as far, if not harder, than the work that you do. So make it a priority. Um, I have a lot of introverts in accounting. I'm an introvert daughter, and it's a barrier for them. It, it's a challenge for them you you need to be able to people remember how you make them feel and so make make people feel good leave an impression on them make their day better I always say that to my team one of our core values is to be on give your all deliver when you go to a client I tell my team your job is to make their day better it's not just to do good accounting work and to deliver accurate timely financials with actionable data Make their day better. If that means you have to stuff envelopes and file or go make a cup of coffee, just do it. Who cares? Make the client's day better. You are They're going to remember how you made them feel. That is good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Heidi. Like, yeah. I, seriously, I, I love so many things you said. I really did. Well, this has been fun, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we... Yeah, we just appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for joining Master of the Start. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Master the Start with your host, Bobby Mason, and sponsored by GoMahi.com. Here are some salient points from our episode with Heidi Olson. Make sure you have a budget, goals of what you bring in and what you're going to spend, and compare your budget versus actual expenditures. Do this monthly, and you'll only have to focus on the line items that don't hit your budget. QuickBooks is invaluable for this task. Track any expenses you are incurring that relate to your business, from paperwork to personal computers to pizza night for a business chat. Also, you'll thank yourself later for opening up a separate business account early. The ideal team player will be hungry, humble, and smart. That means learn more, do more, and take on more responsibility. 
When you think of others, you up your emotional intelligence and look more attractive to others. And this week's life hack is call your mom. And when you're developing business relationships, be on, give your all, and deliver.